Made in Germany. Following the coronavirus crisis, the German private equity industry has not got rusty. Our DAC experts discuss how private equity has been running like a well-oiled machine and how government schemes and the lack of a serious lockdown has kept the industry as hard as steel. All this and more on this week's episode of the Unquote Private Equity podcast. Hello, listener, and welcome to another episode of the Unquote Private Equity podcast. I'm your host for today, Catherine Hidalgo, and this week we have a DAC private equity update. As the effects of the coronavirus on the economy intensifies each day, Unquote delves into one of the most resilient private equity markets, the DAC region. To help us with that, we have Harriet Matthews, our DAC region reporter and regular Unquote podcast contributor. Thanks for being with us, Harriet. Hi, Kat. Thanks very much for having me. And we also have interviews with Joaquin Brown, a partner from Silverfleet Capital, and Klaus Martin Hausmann, a managing director at corporate finance firm Duff & Phelps, which incidentally was owned by Pamira until this year when it was acquired by Stonepoint Capital and Further Global. So that's just another another area where private equity has has uh, come into into the fore. <laughs> uh, so I wanted to kick off Harriet with um, talking about how the DAC region has fared against other regions in Europe in the first half of 2020. Uh, am I to understand that it's it's faring a bit better? Yeah, absolutely. The DAC region, based on our data, seems to have suffered the least of all the European regions that we cover as a crisis hit in the past few months. Looking at Q2 2020, when you might have expected a significant decline, there were 36 deals, whereas in Q1 2020, there were 38. So it hasn't done too badly at all on that uh, on that front. Yeah, interesting. And and how has the crisis affected exit momentum in the DAC region in, in the first half of 2020? Because Unquote, Unquote recently put out um, an article about how exits had drop to a record low throughout Europe. So how's the DAC region faring? Mm, that was really interesting to see, actually, because interestingly, exits in the DAC region only fell by 6% from Q1 2020 to Q2 2020. There were 72 exits in total. Interestingly, one might have expected to see a higher number of exits via receivership, but that hasn't really been the case at all. One in eight of these exits were via receivership in this period. But that is fairly comparable if you look at the first or second half of 2019 and the figures for those. One point perhaps that we could mention here is that there were fewer SBOs in terms of exits in this period compared with, say, the first half of 2019 or the second half of 2019, showing perhaps some slight damage in the market. However, the market, as I said, and particularly exits, does seem overall to have held up fairly well. Oh, great. So we do have our interviews um, from Silverfleet and Duff and Phelps later. But before that, I just wanted to give our listeners a quick fundraising roundup of uh, from the DAC region. The, the fundraising market hasn't been faring as well during the coronavirus, certainly in comparison to last year's numbers. So from January to July um, in 2020, uh, the, the region saw three final closes and two first closes those those three final closes are from BPE uh, Deutsche Beteiligungs and Novum Capital um, and against the against 2019 figures uh, that was nine final closes in the same period 
and only one first close. The total value has also dropped uh, in 2020, obviously. So um, that's only reached 1.4 billion euros uh, this year in 2020. And that was against 7.6 billion euros worth of fundraised um, in 2019. Now that figure was the 2019 figure is obviously pumped up by the 5 billion euro final close of the Triton Fund B but um, it still will likely have a material impact on private equity uh, in in the DAC region in the next couple of years um, in terms of deployment. So we've got the interview now with Joaquin Brown, a partner from Silverfleet Capital, and Klaus Martin Hausman, the managing director from Duff and Phelps. Have a listen. I started off by asking both Klaus and Joachim about how, if at all, buyers and sellers' valuations expectations have changed during the crisis and in recent weeks. Here's what Joachim had to say. If this is um, a resilient business, uh, I would expect that uh, valuations have even uh, gone up and the expectations from the seller has increased and buyer would would, uh, be willing to pay more. And if the businesses is are impacted uh, by the pandemic. Um, the question is, why would you sell at all? And if you um, decide to sell, uh, definitely the expectation from the sellers um, should come down. Klaus also emphasized the differences between sectors. For those industries that are affected to stick with those, um, the those revised um, expectations on the business are first unknown. Yeah, because nobody knows, okay, am I really and how long will I be impacted by the effects of COVID in this in this case? And the dust sort of needs to settle until a new common ground for expectations is found. And it's then when the pricing will adapt to the new normal or seemingly normal profitability situation. Klaus went on to point out that deals that were underway before the pandemic took hold should be looked at separately when considering buyers' and sellers' expectations. For these transactions, we see the pricing being on an elevated level, somewhat uh, somewhat on the level pre-crisis, sometimes even higher. Uh, What we also see is, which is also typical for in such a time of uncertainty, is that earner arrangements uh, become more um, prevalent in the industry uh, uh, for those industries, of course, that are affected by the COVID crisis, where both seller and buyer want to get a deal done but are unsure about the immediate post-crisis performance. So an earnout is is one way for them to to find a common ground. And, uh, you know, de facto, they put portions of the purchase price uh, subject to an earnout and therefore uh, can find uh, the common ground to, to get a deal done. Klaus added that the landscape of buyers has changed now, with corporates largely more likely to be on the sell side, opening up potential opportunities for sponsors. What uh, we've also seen is when it comes to pricing, um, it's also a question about market participants. So what we've seen is that uh, pre-crisis, um, the market multiples that we've seen um, have um, 
uh, edged up uh, um, over over time. That uh, has to do with uh, increased prospects, synergetic prospects uh, from corporates, um, and those corporates now have switched gears and are not on the buy side anymore. They are more uh, more focused on internal restructuring, getting back to a profitable situation for the existing businesses, and as such, <clears throat> also have. Um, have, uh, are looking into their own businesses um, and uh, their portfolio to see what um, they want to put onto the block and uh, and sell. Um, so there is a uh, the corporates essentially are no more on the buy side, but um, and I'm speaking in general terms now, obviously, but have entered um, and have increased the offering on the sell side. So that brings. Uh, in itself, um, a, a, that tends to lower the market valuations because of uh, the synergetic effects not being there. Only corporates typically, at least, can realize those synergetic effects. Um, at the same time, it's a good opportunity for private equity, and they are still they still have a lot of uh, dry powder, so that uh, might. Um, uh, stabilize the pricing on the other side while obviously if there is more businesses now being put uh, for sale um, that would uh, typically tend to lower uh, market uh, multiples um, so overall we see this uh, being a good opportunity for uh, PEs especially because they are still active in the market that's the business they're in um, it is also when we see the actual auctions happening these days, it's, it's, uh, those auctions are dominated by private equity. And that is, uh, let's say, um, uh, private equities that are interested in uh, general um, and performing businesses. But likewise, we've seen the um, stressed and distressed focused uh, private equities enter the market depending on the situation. I went on to ask Joachim about the trend towards longer holding periods in the market, as well as the effect this could have on LP distributions. I think that um, the observation is probably right if you look at the period before the crisis. Um, and that's, uh, that's simply true because the entry multiples uh, have gone up um, and uh, the multiple arbitrage is now more difficult. So you have to work harder on the valuation, um, and that just takes longer. Now, um, if you look at the at the condo, at the Corona crisis, um, I would assume that most businesses are impacted by the pandemic and the measures um, to fight against it. Um, so I would expect that the holding period would uh, increase, um, and also distributions, at least over the medium term, are likely to be lower. We also discussed a survey from Finance Magazine, conducted on behalf of Deutsche Beteiligungs-AG, in which only 10% of GPs said that three quarters or more of their portfolio companies had been severely affected by the crisis. I asked both Joachim and Klaus what GPs have been doing in the region to keep the percentage this low. Joachim highlighted Germany's Kurzarbeit scheme as a key way for companies to mitigate potential liquidity problems. Uh, another um, element is certainly that uh, the German government has the tool of uh, Kurzarbeit or furloughing, which has uh, proven to be very helpful also in previous crises, so the global financial crisis more than 10 years ago, um, 
um, many companies have used uh, Kurzarbeit to, um, to help companies overcome this, this uh, crisis. And uh, this obviously helps to digest the impact. Klaus mentioned the scheme too, and he also highlighted a couple of points specific to the industrial sector. Germany never had a complete shutdown of the industry. While, for example, Italy had a, a, such a shutdown, which meant that uh, companies that um, were uh, producing in, in Germany uh, changed their supply chain and sourced from a local uh, companies rather than from Italian or previously Italian uh, from the previous prior Italian sourcing. And <clears throat> that, um, that meant an extra demand from a German perspective because of a lack of a shutdown. Um, and then there's another effect that is specific to the automotive industry, which is uh, still a significant portion of the German uh, overall industry. Uh, and that is that the uh, COVID crisis never hit all uh, regions at once. So when you look at the export orientation of, of uh, the German automotive industry, which is quite significant, um, the shutdown which first happened in China, then leaped over into Europe and then hit the US, it was uh, to, to then, um, and then China reopened uh, more or less in May, uh, that meant that there was never a complete lack of demand. Um, while, um, and, and that's something specific to, uh, to the German uh, export-oriented automotive industry that uh, I've seen um, also in practice, uh, where companies always had a, <clears throat> a certain level of, of demand and had something to do, uh, for the lack of a better term, and um, therefore uh, never were severely affected. I also asked Klaus about the prevalence of deals for IT and cloud service companies in the DACH market, starting off by asking whether the region has enough of such companies to meet this demand. Generally speaking, however, there's still a, a shortage of IT companies and associated consultancy firms uh, in, in the DACH region. So uh, the interest that focused uh, pre-crisis and also during the COVID crisis was on relatively few companies, which um, meant that multiples went up. Um, I think the value of digitalization and remote collaboration tools that we've all been able to enjoy um, have increased during the COVID crisis. And, um, uh, you know, it was visible to everybody because the infrastructure was um, what um, everybody was able to use while working from home. So therefore, uh, one can expect more companies to be founded in the industry as a result of COVID and as a result of, you know, the well-publicized um, outperformers such as Team Viewer AG, which went through the press and which had, uh, uh, where Permira partially um, liquidated their, their stake. Lastly, I asked both interviewees about the future of remote working in the private equity industry. Joachim noted that there has certainly been a change in how private equity operates. I think over the next few months and also long term, it will be a mix of both being present in the office and working from home. I think that's one thing that this um, pandemic has proven that um, remote working in home office actually does work. Um, video conferencing is a very good tool to stay connected to people 
and um, we need to have some flexibility in how we work and from where we work and it will be some hybrid model uh, going forward and I don't think it will be as strict as in the past where most people tend to go to the office every day. Klaus was of a similar opinion and added a practical point about the need for remote working during this period. As in general industry, also in the PE industry, there's, there's fathers and moms working. And um, one, one thing that needs to be uh, noted here is that um, the kids, the children of, of, of these parents never returned to school on a, on a full schedule, uh, which meant that working from home was also a solution for caring for, uh, for, their, for their siblings. And uh, therefore, um, you know, the new normal was culturally accepted and um, uh, become uh, a solution to uh, taking care of the kids while not being at school and not being at the kindergarten. Great. Thank you very much for conducting those interviews for our listeners, Harriet. That sounded really good. Out of curiosity, um, what was your what what did you find was the kind of most interesting point? Um, or was there anything in particular that that the two agreed on that you want to highlight? Mm, absolutely. I think what both of the interviewees that I spoke with did highlight was perhaps the resilience of Germany's economy through this period. Obviously, Germany has seen economic growth decline, as has just about every country affected by this pandemic. But both Klaus and um, Joachim mentioned the Kurzarbeit scheme, which has been particularly important, and also the fact that there was never a complete lockdown in Germany in the way that other countries have perhaps seen this or saw quite a sharp drop off in industrial production and economic activity. I think that really speaks to what we were talking about at the start of the podcast in terms of how the, the DAF region has remained fairly resilient to um, all of the, the difficulties that have been coming about as, as part of this pandemic. Oh, great. Uh, thanks for that. And I also wanted to ask you, continuing on with kind of DAX stats, what effect did the crisis have on deal volume and, and value in, in Q2 of 2020? Sure. So if we look at a comparable period, perhaps starting with the first half of 2019, there we saw 88 buyouts in the region with an aggregate value of 23 billion euros and an average value of 217 million euros per buyout. Looking at the first half of 2020 as a whole, there were 75 buyouts, so a slight drop. But here the aggregate value was almost 28 billion, pushing the average value up to 372 million euros. But we should bear in mind that the largest buyout in Dach history was also announced during this period, of course, the ThyssenKrupp elevator deal. If we discount that, we see 11 billion euros worth of buyouts with an average value of 147 million euros. So I think it's fair to say that the crisis has seen the average value of deals drop. This is partly, of course, due to the situation in the financing markets. And feeding back into one of the questions that you asked during the interviews about technology, um, which sectors were the most popular with sponsors um, in Q2 2020? 
Sure. So if we look at the volume of, uh, of buyouts in particular sectors in Q2, unsurprisingly, technology comes out on top with around 28% of total volume going to deals for technology companies. Secondly, we have the industrial sector. A quarter of those buyouts we saw happening were in that sector, proving, again, the, the resilience and the importance of that area for, for the DAH region. And in third place, in terms of the most popular sectors, 22% um, of buyouts were seen in the consumer goods sector out of those 36 deals in total, showing that there are certainly opportunities there for consolidation, looking at changing consumer trends in, in the DAH region and, and beyond. Great. Well, thank you so much for spending the time um, for that, Harriet. I'm afraid that's all we have time for this week. Do look out for our upcoming episodes on the half one results update, as well as an allocate special. Please take the opportunity to subscribe to the Unquote Private Equity Podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or of course, continue listening on unquote.com. A very big thank you to our special guests, Joaquin Brown and Klaus Martin Hausman, our producer Tim, and as always, a big thank you to you too, listener. Speak to you soon.